Hello, I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk, where we take a unique view of world events. We report news as history. With me today is the editor of StrategyPage.com and well-known military author, Jim Dunnigan. Associate editor and syndicated columnist, Austin Bay, also joins us. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Austin, you had written an article on Daniel Coates' five major functional threats. Could you go into that a little bit? Well, Dan, it was really a column on the uh, Director of National Intelligence's uh, uh, worldwide threat assessment. The DNI is is Dan Coates, and he recently uh, testified uh, before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Understand that this is a combined uh, project to produce this worldwide threat. It has all the major U.S. intelligence uh, agencies involved, CIA, DIA, NSA, FBI, and then uh, what's NGA now, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, really used to be the National Reconnaissance Office, and they produce a worldwide threat assessment, <clears throat> and it's, I think it's a worthwhile information project, the open source a document uh, that they produce. And uh, anyway, I listened to his uh, his testimony, and he covered a number of, of hot spots, but he said there are basically five, what he called them, functional areas where we uh, we face threats. And they he starts out with, and I'll just I'll just go with go through the list, uh, cyber activity, including um, spying, propaganda. Attacks directed by nation states, non-state actors, and criminal groups. He, he labeled that number one. Then second was uh, weapons of mass destruction and uh, proliferation and weapons of mass destruction delivery systems, uh, terrorism. Then he said technological threats from space and in space, which is something I really want to hear Jim talk about. And finally, tri- transnational crime. So it's cyber threats, uh, WMD terrorism, technological threats from space and in space, and transnational crime. So uh, I guess today we're going to try to talk about all five in some way. Okay. Jim, could you address the cyber threat? Well, yeah, we've been covering that you know, since the beginning. In fact, I did a book back in, I think it was 02 or 03, uh, The Next War Zone, which, which basically I, every once in a while I go back and check it. Nothing has changed. I mean, we're, we're essentially facing the same threats, uh, which come down to, uh, you know, uh, zero-day exploits. In other words, flaws in the uh, online software that uh, most people, except for a few, are not aware of and how those can be exploited. Um, the problem is the offense is, has a much bigger advantage than the defense. Uh, the offense basically goes looking for these zero-day uh, exploits, and uh, then uh, you know it, it builds a, an attack strategy. Now, we haven't seen a major application of this uh, to a major economy, but we've seen it applied to smaller economies, um, and uh, you know it can do a lot of damage. Uh, the problem we have with this as with all these threats, is that the news media, and to a certain extent the government, uh, relies a lot on FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, uh, to get money, (laughs) to get support, to deal with the threat. 
the uh, the you know American intelligence agencies, at least in peacetime, and uh, and again, I was reporting on this even before Strategy Page, you know, started, you know, as a as an on-air you know expert, as it were, and I kept pointing out, you know, as we do now, uh, it's all well and good, but what are you going to do about it? Uh, and we've seen, you know, from you know the recent history. Uh, you know, we had Obama in for eight years, and he cut back on a lot of stuff, and stuff went wrong, and he blamed somebody else, and uh, threw the foot around. You know, it's like a, a passing a football around. Uh, you know, nobody wants to hold it and do anything with it. Um, and now we have Trump, and before that we had Bush, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it seems everybody, you know, uh, this is the ball. Uh, they say, oh yeah, we got a threat. Well, what are you gonna do about it? Um, and you know, it, it endlessly repeats itself. Uh, yes, there's a threat. Yes, there are people, there are countries, uh, there are in the in the United States, there are organizations that can protect themselves. There are things you can do. Uh, there are countries. Israel, for example, has been under more attack than probably anybody else, um, and they have defended themselves, uh, but we haven't. And so that's the question you have to ask. Uh, all we're getting from, you know, uh, Mr. Coates is a lot of bromides and empty words. Uh, but yeah, there's a threat, no, no, no problem there. But what's the solution? There doesn't seem to be any in the United States. Uh, we're, you know, vulnerable, and that seems to suit Mr. Coates just fine because it means more money for him. Austin, do you want to respond to that and then talk a little, uh, yeah, little bit no, about the WMD? Question of yeah, the question of cooperation and uh, cyber defense is uh, is one that actually has some constitutional dimensions in the U.S. because there are a lot of people that are, uh, I, I think, with good reason, afraid of being spied upon by uh, not not simply uh, North Korea or a criminal organization, but uh, but uh, U.S. government security agencies. Uh, breaking uh, constitutional violations. And there should be and could be uh, more cooperation, but there's been a, a lack of trust. A, a little of that showed up, Dan, in some of the uh, question and answers uh, that uh, that went on after uh, Coates' uh, testimony. I understand you had the director of FBI, CIA, DIA, NSA, uh, the, uh, the geospatial uh, uh, agency uh, up there as as well. So uh, they didn't testify, but they answered questions. And what Jim said about actually doing something came out indirectly. Uh, you could see that uh, we've understood that we've been under attack for a long time. And Jim suggests that Coates was grandstanding. To some degree, he was. He says... You know, America's under attack, as if that was news. Well, I remember doing something, uh, reading something that Jim wrote about the time next war zone came out. They said, that the, has the cyber war begun? Well, yeah, and it began a while ago, but is are we, are we prepared to make uh, some of the sacrifices and put the money into – uh, the uh, efforts to uh, defend ourselves, and, and he said it extremely well too. That uh, in cyber cyber offense has the advantage uh, over uh, over the defense. Uh, 
I'll make a couple of other comments, though, uh, about the situation. Uh, there seem to be more bad actors and malign actors out there now, and they seem better organized. And that's, you, know, you think of examples of that China's uh, hacker brigades uh, and also the, the Chinese, uh, which is something we've written about on, on, and discussed – on uh, on strategy page, uh, the Chinese uh, operate uh, a, a cyber operation where they are uh, probing not just for national secrets but for uh, commercial secrets and commercial proprietary information from American companies, and then they end up with uh, uh, they ends up being passed on to uh, Chinese uh, corporations, uh, Chinese commercial entities. Uh, you want me to go ahead and move on to WMD? Yeah. Or does Jim, does Jim have a comment on that? I mean, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. The WM, uh, WMD, weapons of mass destruction. Well, they've been a threat for a long time as well. Uh, North Korea is what uh, the intelligence community says is uh, the most immediate threat. And if you see what goes on, you know, the way the news media covers it, what we know to be the, the uh, uh, intentions, known intentions uh, of North Korea. Uh, and uh, it's, it, it is a crisis coming to a head, and it, it involves nuclear weapons. Now, Jim and I see North Korea slightly differently. Jim sees North Korea as primarily attached to the greater China problem. I agree with that. I just see that North Korea has its uh, its own goals that can be different, uh, differentiated from China. Uh, it wants its own nuclear weapon. The regime is designed – nuclear weapons, I should say. The regime believes the, – the Kim regime believes that it must have nuclear weapons in order to survive because it's, uh, the rest of, the, uh, of their society is such a mess they have to rely on, the, on, the, on a, what it says, a decisive uh, uh, military weapon. They want ICBMs, so they can not only threaten Seoul and Tokyo but threaten the United States, and they see South Korea – to flip the flip the view here, South Korea and Japan uh, as being fronts for the United States. Why, if the United States hadn't intervened intervened in 1950, uh, the Kim regime would control the entire Korean Peninsula. And in, in, here I'm talking about the WMD threat in a nation state situation. The uh, coach's testimony and also the threat threat assessment, which I went ahead and, uh, and read, starts to move from not just nation states who are modernizing their nuclear arsenals, and that touches on Russia. And the U.S. nuclear arsenal has uh, is in need of modernization. But in the non-state actors that are still uh, interested in acquiring nuclear weapons, al-Qaeda, uh, primarily, but uh, also uh, uh, chemical weapons and potentially biological weapons. Uh, remains a threat. Have we done something about it? Yes. And uh, But uh, have we done enough? Take a look at what we're able to do, what North Korea is able to do by just introducing the threat of producing, a, of uh, having a nuclear weapon, an ICBM that can, uh, can hit Seattle. So, genuine threat 
Yes. Are we behind on deliveries on, excuse me, defensive systems? There's a weak analog here to way Jim uh, uh, discussed cyber. And that is, is that uh, the offense in WMD has an advantage over the defense, uh, at least in, uh, in missile delivered uh, nuclear weapons at this time. It's still tough to shoot that bullet with a bullet, which is the the way to express knocking down an incoming uh, enemy warhead from uh, a, a ballistic missile with an anti-ballistic missile. So you've got non-state actors and state actors involved in the WMD uh, threat. You've got another. You've got another problem with that, and we we, we point this out in strategy page all the time. Uh, what are Kim? Uh, uh, what are Kim's real options? If he uses it, he's dead. You know, he's a pariah. Uh, first of all, the reliability of his weapon systems. Again, comparing it with what we actually know from the uh, Soviet era systems, which a lot of them are based upon, is not a hundred percent. Both, he's got problems both with the missile and with the warhead, which hasn't been tested yet. Uh, we have defensive systems. They do work. We've knocked uh, uh, missile systems down with several of our, our, our anti-missile systems. So we have defensive systems that have shown that they work. He has an offensive system, which he has very few of. He hasn't got the wherewithal to basically build you know, uh, dozens of of, uh, of of quasi reliable, you know, systems, uh, you know, missiles, long range missiles, uh, with these warheads, uh, so that he could, you know, be assured of penetrating uh, our defenses. And if he does penetrate our defenses, he, he's defenseless against the counterforce. Now he he may think in his deranged mind that oh they won't use a nuclear weapon on me. I mean we're poor and we're starving. We need food aid. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so I, I, I'm simply pointing out, you know, what's the strategy here? You know, he's playing games. They have been playing games for over 50 years. I was over in Korea in the early 60s, so I remember that vividly. And even then, nobody took him seriously. They said, what are these guys, deranged? Uh, you know, they, and of course, after the Cold War ended, they came out, it was, it was Stalin who basically set up the Kim family in the first place, who ordered him, uh, in so many words, to invade. He said, hey, it'll be easy. Uh, they won't do anything. Uh, maybe that might have worked in another world where they, the Russians hadn't stomped out of the UN uh, right at the time that the invasion came. And the UN, in one of the few times in its history, said, that's wrong. We condemn you. Uh, Russia's veto, you know, wasn't able to get go into action. Um uh, and America, you know, probably would have come to the aid of the, the South Koreans anyway. We had left because we felt, hey, peace in our time and all that. Uh, there's no threat up in North Korea. Um, and then the Chinese were basically uh, – that's one reason why the, the Chinese to this day are not very happy about the Russians. Uh, the Russians pointed out, well, you know, they're your problem now. Uh, why don't you go in there and, and lose half a million of your, your troops? Uh, you know, fighting the Americans and all their technology and basically the rest of the United Nations. Um, so, you know, where is the where is the plan here? What the, exactly does Kim expect to have happen? He basically feeds on attention. He's, he's basically playing an elaborate, you know, scam. He's a grifter, just like his, his father and his grandfather were. 
And that happens again and again and again. You give him something, he changes the rules, <laughs> he basically he, he cheats. He did it with Clinton in the 90s when they made a deal. <clears throat> and, and, and eventually, not too long after that, he said, oh, by the way, in the fight, Prince says, I can do this. I, you know, instead of that, you know, where's all my goodies? Um, so, you know, you have to basically take a realistic look at what's going on here and not the version that sells newspapers. Well, the grifter regime, though, is acquiring is acquiring nukes. And one of the things that the grifter regime might do, and I should have made this point, it, again, it's something that we've discussed before, is selling the nuclear technology to uh, other uh, 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 other organizations, whether they're non-state actors or indications that the Kim regime has cooperated with Iran. I didn't mention Iran. Iran got some mention in, as uh, a, uh, a threat with uh, WMDs, and certainly uh, Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia believe that to be the case. So that that's the it's, it's... Yeah, but wait, wait, wait a minute. We've gone into this in strategy page. It's not the technology. It's not the stuff you can put on a flash drive. Which we know the Khan network in Pakistan was selling all over the place. Of course, technically he was doing it privately, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, the you know that you could sell the technology. In fact, the technology for for uh, you know a fission type bomb is is basically an open secret. The problem is the engineering. You need the engineering capabilities or somebody who's willing to basically sell you bomb components, which are fairly obvious. Uh, and nobody's been willing to do that. Uh, they've gotten some of the people. Some people have gotten some of the components and what have you. Uh, but Pakistan basically had enough trained engineers, had enough industry and what have you, to manufacture those, you know, WMD components and build and then test along with India, you know, a, a nuclear bomb. North Korea has done it. They've finally done it. They've conducted six tests, but it's a it's a basically a, a, a you know a, sh a shabby bomb. And I should point out something else. Yes, uh, <clears throat> WMDs have been used. There was a there was a group of radical Buddhists. Believe it, this is real. <laughs> the Amshamrikyo in in Tokyo that that had that attracted a lot of fairly well educated people, and they they made nerve gas. And they set it loose in its Tokyo subway in the 90s, I believe it was. And, and bingo, all of a sudden they were all in jail. Uh, so, it, yes, it can happen. But if a nation state does it, it's much more dangerous to the government there and all the people living there and the people living in the vicinity. Uh, the Chinese take this seriously. They've been issuing uh, radiation warnings to people along the North Korean border, not about North Korean fallout, but the fallout from our retaliation if the if the uh, if the North Koreans do something, so the, you know there's no doubt that we got a madman there saying I'll, I will I will I will, but you know what's the intelligence agency telling us that we don't already know? Oh, they're not they're not they're telling us they're telling us uh, describing threats is what they were. Uh, to some people, uh, the news media that. Uh, is constantly deplored on strat on strategy talk. It's it's like news to them, but it, it it's it's not. You want to move on to terrorism, uh, Dan? Or? Yeah, let Jim. Yeah. Could you address terrorism for us? Well, terrorism is basically the same thing. <laughs> I'll never forget after the we're up the the anniversary, the 25th anniversary, I guess it is of that uh, the first attack on the World Trade Center, and and after that. 
you know, they asked me, well, could this happen again? I said, well, it could if the intelligence agencies don't, agencies don't do their job. Well, guess what happened? You know, profits get no respect. Um, you know, it was the same thing with the end of the Cold War. And uh, I think it was the second edition of How to Make War. I had a section on the Soviet Union, which was contentious down in Langley. I mean, there were a lot of people that didn't even agree with me, but that was not the majority opinion. That says the numbers do not add up. You know, any financial analyst can look at this and say, look, these people, you know, from all that we know, and of course the people at the agency, at least the ones, the true believers, who were reporting what they were, what they were asked to report. Uh, and I went to a couple of conferences down there. Says, well, I can't, I can't go into detail on that. It's all classified. Well, it was all BS. So, I mean, you have to take the history of American intelligence, uh, you know, to understand you know, what was actually happened with that testimony. It's the same old nonsense. They speak a great deal of nothing. Uh, you know, they don't go on to, I mean, the track record is obvious. They drop the ball, they drop the ball, they drop the ball. The, the question should be, what are you doing to avoid the mistakes you've made in the past that we know about, that are real, that are not hypothetical? Because if you are still going to keep on going the way you've been going, what's the point? I mean, like the, the red line in Syria, you know, when, when, the, when the Assad's used their, their chemical weapons. They're using them again. The UN put out another report. Nothing. They are still basically, you know, the legitimate state in, the, in Syria and Russia and, uh, and Iran are, are trying to, you know, finesse uh, the media into believing that, hey, we should leave the Assads alone. They won their, they put down their rebellion, uh, although even Al-Qaeda is pointing out the rebellion put down itself because of infighting among, you know, uh, Islamic terrorist organizations. Um, so, you know, there we are with terrorism. Terrorism in itself, as a lot of people point out, doesn't cause a lot of deaths in the West. Most of the deaths are Muslims killing Muslims. But the problem is they terrorize. They frighten people, and they should. I mean, people, for example, don't like to fly, even though flying is the safest statistically. A lot of people just aren't, aren't impressed with the statistics. They say it's just unnatural, getting up in this metal tube and, and gliding along and bumping around and what have you. Uh, I'd rather you know drive in my car, which is much more dangerous. So, yeah, we're dealing with human nature and psychology here. But the problem is, if you're going to talk about solutions, then talk about what happened with failures in the past, and there have been plenty of them. And that's what you don't get out of Mr. Coates and his ilk. Uh, the, the, the terror threat as portrayed mostly, if you, if you go and read the, uh, read the document, more, more so than the uh, discussion that uh, took place in, in the uh, Senate intelligence uh, in the, uh, during the testimony, is is looking at that fact that Islamic militant uh, terrorist organizations such as the Islamic State and uh, Al Qaeda still maintain some great degree of ideological attraction for uh, a certain kind of down and out. These are my characterizations. Down and out young uh, Sunni Muslim man who doesn't have a lot of prospects and the prospect of, of uh, helping create the global caliphate becomes uh, the, the goal you know, in, his, in his life. That is 
tough to address. Uh, that's that's a it's psychological uh, information warfare, uh, cultural cultural component. But both organizations regarded as still being uh, threats. Al Qaeda, something uh, on the rebound. Both of those militant Islamic organizations are entwined in it uh, to some degree. And about six or seven ongoing uh, wars, uh, not all confined to uh, the Southwest Asia or Africa. They've still got a presence, of course, as we've talked about in the uh, in the Philippines, Malaysia, uh, I- I- Indonesia, and cropping up again uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, terror is a tactic, of course. We've said that, and it, and it is. You're never going to eradicate it. But the intelligence focuses on how to, uh, what the organizations are up to, uh, trying to determine and get, you know, get some line on future attacks, particularly attacks here in in the continental United States and uh, on American uh, American citizens, but uh, also how to break them up. And uh, there's. There was no discussion in the unclassified, Dan, uh, about those kind of activities. There probably shouldn't be. Um, Jim says the intelligence communities dropped the ball. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Their successes, though, you don't want to hear about. You shouldn't hear about. They didn't. Uh, they didn't go uh, go into those. But is terrorism a threat uh, uh, that the U.S. has to deal with? And. Since 93, uh, yes, actually before that, but 93, the first World Trade Center attack, uh, did we, uh, were we still on vacation? Yes, until uh, 9-11 in, 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 in 2001. At times, we've gone on vacations again. Jim brought up the uh, Obama administration's uh, red line in Syria. There's a, a kind of a, one of these <clears throat> combined, intertwined, where uh, weapons of mass destruction, terrorism, and a malign state actor uh, entwine. Yeah, the Trump administration did launch uh, the cruise missile attack following a. It was a sarin attack, I think, wasn't it, Jim? That they did that. Uh, that they uh, the Syrian government uh, launched. Uh, the is that terrorism? The state actor using WMD. But also the Syrians and the Iranians and the North Koreans have all uh, had liaison, if not direct, uh, operational uh, uh, cooperation uh, with terror organizations. And there's uh, so to try to separate the the terror threat from some of the other threat functional threat areas is is tough to do. But highlighting it, I think, is a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, but what he didn't highlight was the elephant in the room, and that is that the 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 Islamic terrorism and aggression is is a, is a historical fact. It keeps coming back. It's been a problem within Islam for over a thousand years. They admit it, and they have a solution for it, but it's not acceptable in the West. 
and it shouldn't be, actually. I mean, the Turks, for example. Why was there no Islamic terrorism except – well, yeah. Why was there no real Islamic terrorism when the Turks were ruling the Middle East? Because the Turks basically said, oh, I understand. I mean, they became Muslims because it was the, it was the religion of aggression. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the Islam is literally is an Arab derivative from the Arab world for submission. So uh, the Turks could understand that. Um, and they said, well, yeah, but uh, – uh, if there's a caliphate, you have to obey the caliph. So the sultan said, okay, we're in control of Mecca and Medina. Uh, anybody who gets, you know, does, misbehaves down there gets killed. No, no questions asked. Turks were very strict in this respect. Um, and they basically put down any, you know, insurrection with quite a bit of, you know, violence you would, is not acceptable today. Um, and, uh, and that lasted until the 1920s, until the Turks reformers said, we don't want to be bothered. I mean, they, a lot of Turks said, this is nonsense. The Arabs, the, you know, the, the, the more hardcore Muslims, which were not the Turks, uh, and were basically the Arabs, and uh, uh, especially in Arabia, in Iran, uh, they say, we don't want any part of these maniacs anymore. And that's one reason why they had the, you know, the canal, you know, revolution, as it were, secularization. Um uh, but once that caliph was gone, people didn't realize at the time because it basically wasn't fashionable to recognize what was staring you right in the face that the genie literally was out of the bottle. And once the genie got out of got a hold of what basically came down to a trillion dollars worth of oil income, uh, everything was changed. The Arab world didn't become more educated. It didn't become more democratic. It didn't become more economically advanced. But it did basically spawn, you know, the, the, the ways and means for hundreds of thousands of young, as Austin pointed out, Arab men who were frustrated with their ineffective, corrupt governments uh, to find a, somebody they could strike back at. <coughs> and they suddenly had money. They had the Internet. They had, the, you know, cheap access to the West. Uh, and they said, well, hey. You know, let's show those infidels, you know, uh, you know uh, what they're up against. And boom. But basically, it's been chaos within the, 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 the Islamic world. Now, the Saudis, to their credit, they recognized this early on. Uh, and, and nobody seemed to catch the irony that when all these millions of uh, refugees were coming out of Syria, the Arab states wouldn't accept any of them. She said, no, no, absolutely not. They understand what the threat is. And now we did that piece recently in Strategy Page about dealing with the, the widows and orphans of, uh, of Islamic State, you know, uh, fighters. Um, and the Europeans, especially the French and the, uh, the Germans, are saying, well, yeah, I guess we kind of do have a problem here. And so they're debating, what do we do with the kids? Do we let them turn into adult terrorists or do we somehow you know, put them up for adoption, you know, basically make them non-Muslims? Uh, there you go. Nobody wants to admit that. So what's the good of having an intelligence agency if they won't even recognize the obvious? Before we move on to space, let me give you uh, – make a comment on that. One of the things I, I see, Jim, over the really the last year, and there was – uh, an element of this, uh, not so much in Coach's testimony, but in the Q and A uh, afterwards. And I, you know, I use the, I dropped the word cultural into one of the issues with uh, with uh, militant Islamic terrorism, and 
you expanded on that with the, the really the history of it, how ingrained it is with uh, extreme extremist interpretations, let's say, of uh, of Islam, is that there's a, a coming to grips with that uh, by the our more open. Uh, recognition of that, I should say, by uh, the intelligence services. They know that, that what you said and what I just said is, is being, as being the case, that there's a com- cultural component to it. But it was something that we just can't talk about. Uh, well, we can, and uh, this is a, a subject that we've talked, gr- just glancingly talked about, but we know it's occurring as the attempts of the future Saudi king at, at modernization, and some of that is addressing some of the, the cultural and societal issues that uh, make the militant route uh, attractive. And, I'm, and they're going to try to <coughs> change some of the uh, elements uh, – Let's say, put it this way, societal uh, elements that encourage the uh, encourage the militancy. Our intelligence agencies and and looks like the the government too are more open to discussing those uh, uh, broader cultural and uh, religious elements that encourage uh, militant Islamic uh, terror. I think that's you know, okay, Austin. What are you saying? We knew that 30 years ago, but uh, the, the government wasn't talking about it in the open. Let's go on. Let's go on to uh, threats from space and let Jim uh, tell us about that. Okay. Uh, threats from space have been there since the beginning, and there was a, a demilitarization treaty uh, about space. Uh, for example, we had all sorts of weapons. I think the most interesting was. The ones where you could carry a missile on a uh, on a jet fighter. Uh, we covered it several times. Like the name escapes me at the moment. But anyway, uh, basically, um, it was an ASAT that we put on an F fifteen. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 I know. I just forget the name of the program. Uh, the anyway, every, the Russians had it. We had it. We had the best one because we had the better technology. We tested it, uh, <laughs> but basically, we didn't. Uh, you know, uh, feel it because basically we had no real competition. Well, yeah, we had the Russians, but the Russian satellites, the Russian satellite system, uh, the technology was very primitive. It still sort of is. Um, and I mean, you can see that it wasn't just, you know, you know hypothetical, the, 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 uh, the, the unreliability of their satellite networks. Um, but you saw within the space of like five or six years after the Cold War ended, and they basically had no more money they could borrow uh, to constantly put up replacement satellites and what have you. Their, their, their satellite networks were poof. They were gone just like that because you have to keep putting new stuff up. So, yes, there's a, there's a threat because the Chinese are smarter. The Chinese, <clears throat> you've still got a Chinese communist dictatorship over there, but they basically allowed free enterprise uh, uh, to a large extent. I mean, it's not as free as in the West, but that's another story. But it was enough. They let Chinese entrepreneurs go crazy. Um, and they basically are now are, are putting up, uh, you know, world-class, you know, satellite technology up there. Uh, and of course, they're also talking about you know the, how to knock its stuff, knock the stuff down, uh, you know, uh, anti-satellite systems. Um, so there's nothing new there. 
It's just a question of now there's a real threat with China that we didn't have with the Soviet Union. Uh, and what are you going to do? Well, basically, you have to basically uh, build enough systems to threaten their satellite uh, networks, have backup you know, plans, as it were, to run without the satellites, which I see the uh, there are plans or they're actually being carried out training uh, in the United States military to basically assume the satellites are gone. Uh, the military, well, the Marines, well, the Marines are always more practical, but it's because they haven't got a lot of money to throw at problems. Um, they are now, you know, concentrating on training with uh, non-pre-satellite, shall I put it, you know, uh, ways of finding your way around, uh, not depending on GPS. Um, and this is something that the, the Army in particular has always been resistant to. It was a problem during the Cold War. The Russians had fairly low-tech uh, jamming equipment. Um, and I asked him because I was, you know, I was there one of their, I was their war games expert for a long time. And I asked him, you know, why don't you test? They say, well, you know, come on. The answer was basically, well, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. And I heard from people in the military who wrote me letters saying, yeah, we accidentally jammed just for the heck of it. I mean, there's a couple of enlisted guys deliberately turned on jammers during a field exercise and shut the whole thing down and said, oh, sorry, sir, I hit the wrong button. But, you know, the, 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 the message was received. A lot of officers said, you know, why aren't we addressing this? Well, nothing really very hap really happened with that because eventually the Cold War ended without it actually being used. But now we're in a new situation uh, where the electronic warfare, the jamming, the anti-satellite, you know, capabilities are still there. And, you know, uh, are we uh, – is, is, you know, is, is anybody at the, at the top of the food chain saying yes – we're going to be practical about this, and we're going to do thus, thus, and thus. Uh, you know, if you don't do that, you're in trouble. If you do do that, uh, you might get in trouble, you know, with the media saying you're being alarmist, warmongering, et cetera, et cetera. But that's another problem, which I don't believe we're covering. Uh, just quick uh, comments on that. Jim brought up the GPS issue, not only just shooting down uh, global positioning satellites, but uh, jamming jamming signals, uh, jamming communication signals from uh, space-based platforms. But the, uh, the testimony Q&A also raised uh, the issue of the proliferation of what here's the way i'll put it proliferation of space-based intel gathering uh, capabilities and uh, i pointed out in the column i wrote dan that look your backyard's already available on google earth and that is an <laughs> open so yours is dan by the way and even jim's little backyard uh, yes is, I is, every is, once in a while I, and you know, i i haven't looked at uh, at our our uh, yard in a while, but I have in, in the past. Uh, but it's uh, it's it moving, so okay. Well, <laughs> that's all right. So, so you can't be targeted. Well, you can be targeted, and I I see that that ties back in to uh, terror threat, and then it it ties in to actually our next section, the transnational crime. You want me to go ahead and move to that? Yes. All right. Well, this is something we've talked about a lot. We're no longer month-to-month uh, -month covering uh, Mexico, where a lot of that went, but uh, there's still uh, material on it that shows up when uh, Jim writes about Colombia, uh, Venezuela, and actually it crops up in numerous other hotspots around the planet. There was uh, an update I wrote 
uh, I want to say a little bit over a year, year and a half ago, about uh, transnational uh, crime moving uh, drugs, cocaine through uh, Argentina, but they were also tied not just to using Argentina as a route, but but tied to uh, Argentinian. Uh, uh, criminal syndicates. These criminal syndicates can be extremely powerful. They prefer, uh, and and forget the way that Jim worded this one time that was uh, humorous, but they they prefer to uh, buy buy privacy or something, meaning, you know, they're buying off uh, uh, the uh, government, judiciary, and police so uh, they can uh, conduct their uh, activities. They don't necessarily want to do everything with guns. They'll just do it with uh, money if they can. But the situation in uh, in Mexico is has has evolved, but it's an example of, of what large criminal organizations, even when they fragment into smaller criminal organizations, uh, can do to a society. Uh, part of the trans, and there was actually very little discussion uh, on this in uh, the open source uh, um, testimony and, and discussion that, that I heard, but criminal activity uh, helps fuel numerous wars there's a heroin issue in uh, in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, also the drug issue in uh, uh, Afghanistan. Same thing goes on in several insurgencies uh, in uh, in Africa. Um, and I, I said uh, I said Southeast Asia, I think, but the thing is, South Asia, huge uh, huge issues, and the money that they generate from their illegal activities not that's not just all narcotics trafficking we saw this happen in mexico but it happens it happened in the united states in the 1930s the uh syndicates get wealthy and either using extortion or just uh, look what looks like honest business deals buy out honest businesses uh global money laundering is part of it because the uh, transnational criminal organizations. Um, that's well, all right. That's one of the activities that they're involved in. But that's also a way that they uh, can uh, penetrate uh, governments and uh, uh, security uh, security institutions. Uh, so, problem? Yeah. Does it? Is it? Necessarily, it's separable in many cases from uh, uh, terrorism uh, and uh, the uh, and cyber. Uh, but cyber uh, cyber attack is is a, a route that is uh, used by uh, cyber thieves. Uh, many of these organizations uh, likely have connections to larger syndicates. Uh, I haven't said anything that uh, – note I brought up the 1930s, Jim. Uh, actually, yeah. I could have said the 20s and prohibition, what that uh, did to give uh, the uh, American mafia uh, its uh, its stake, its, its huge uh, monetary stake. But that's um, – it's it's a problem in the 21st century, and it is integrated into uh, numerous other uh, armed conflicts and also economic issues. I'll leave it at that. What about what about it, Jim? You got something to well, say? Well, the, the the thing that again, you you should look for what is nobody talking about. What aspect of this is nobody 
There's nobody want to talk about. And the basic, the, and we've covered this, and the basic you know, nexus here, the vector, is corruption. The countries that have the most corruption have the most crime. Uh, I mean, corruption is a crime, but for example, it, was a, it, it eventually came out uh, that major banks uh, have, were laundering, like the HSBC and one, that were, were uh, laundering money you know, for the, the drug cartels. Uh, they paid big fines, but there was no real punishment. I mean, you know, let's send somebody to jail. I mean, for example, look at what happened in, in 2008 with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the collateralized, you know, debt instrument, you know, uh, uh, mess, where it was known that there was fraudulent and massive fraudulent, you know, uh, sale of mortgages to people who couldn't pay them. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and I, and I was, I was a talking head at the time and, and the people asked me about that. I says, well, you know, you don't cover stories like this because there's no way to make it sexy. You know, it puts people to sleep. Uh, and of course we had problems with the, uh, the rating agencies and all the, you know, the, the SEC and saying, oh no, everything's okay. So what do you do? You know, where's the story? Where's the headline? And then when it went boom, they said, "Why don't? Why wasn't somebody held responsible? Nobody ever was. Nobody went to jail. People paid fines. You know, and walked away. That was corruption. And you know, and, and you know, that's the problem. But again, if nobody wants to talk about it, nobody's going to be doing anything about it. So there we are. One of the you know, let's, let's tie this back to uh, nation states as uh, as well. This was not uh, discussed in in what uh, the DNI's uh, at least a, a open uh, briefing uh, that I heard. And I think it was may have been glancingly addressed uh, the ties of uh, of some nation states to uh, large scale organized uh, criminal uh, act. Activity. Uh, North Korea immediately comes to mind. Uh, we call it a criminal, a, a crime state. I, in fact, as I wrote a column, I think about a year ago, uh, on uh, taking that uh, that frame, they definitely make money from organized uh, criminal activity, uh, smuggling, and uh, uh, really, uh, really globally. But other nation states also uh, have a stake in it. Uh, Venezuela uh, uh, comes to mind. A lot of Chinese gangs, which we don't hear a lot about, have uh, uh, connections to uh, Mexican uh, cartels, and that flows through the Philippines. That has been written about a little bit uh, and mentioned on, on strategy page. So you see the how these five functional areas, Dan, uh, they they interconnect. They're just ways of 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 unfortunately ways of doing doing what did I say skullduggery, uh, malign activities. Is and uh, they uh, to, to get back to something that Jim was pointing out er, er, earlier. It, it's and I think he was saying it when in the comments on, on terrorism. It's the intent of the actors and the goals of the actors involved. It's the people involved. It's it's not the uh, it isn't the gun that kills Dan. It's the person that pulls a trigger, and it's uh, that's the, these are methods of pulling a trigger. Would you agree with that, Jim? That the, that yes. These, yeah, yeah, that's what they are. Well, we'll wrap it up there, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.